Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you'd like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore, and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy! Welcome back to Lorehammer Listen to Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hello, everyone. This is Gerald once again. Join in with Rayway. Hello and good evening. You were a lot more hype before I press record. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to settle my hype for now. I want to work up to the hype as an orc does when they build the Y. You don't want to, you know, you don't go full on Y. You have to- work up to it you know it's all about building the momentum it's all about you know that snowball effect all right well as you can tell we are well i am hyped and ray is getting hyped for this next selection that we have for you tonight this is a uh drew carly and a harlequin story written by none other than our very own con ale once again this guy's fucking amazing yes and of course you know uh, I'm sure a good uh, what I'm sure is to be an excellent story in the works, plus some uh, you know, attached mini pictures. And uh, Connell, whenever you get the chance to hear this, please post those pictures to the Discord because these are looking awesome, and I'm sure the rest of the Discord would love to see it 100%. I mean, I'm fucking like jealous of his work, but you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. We have to fucking mm-hmm. we have to work through his mate. Like, I'm 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 honestly like. I'm not. I don't want to say shocked because, like, this this story could be absolutely trash for all we know. <laughs> I'm not saying it is, but like, given what we've read of Connell's work already, I am like beyond floored with what he's been able to like accomplish with how little lore the Harlequins have because he's mostly a Harlequin writer from what we've seen, and he mm-hmm. can do a lot of work with so little that I'm honestly impressed. But again, like- for all we know, this this story could be like absolute dog shit. <laughs> but given his track record, I'm gonna say it's not. Yeah, and like like you mentioned before, last time we went over one of the stories, like Harlequins don't have that many models, but good lord, the the attachments that he posts are just like phenomenal with what he's able to work with. I 100 so, agree. So I'm I'm excited to see what he does with this story. Exactly. So what we have here is called. Selindus Boydwalker, a Drukari and Harlequin story. Very fun, very fun. 
All right. Did you want to start or did you want me to begin this one? Uh, rock, paper, scissors for it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, rock, paper, scissors over video chat. This cannot go wrong. Absolutely not. <laughs> no I'm cheating. thinking of a number between one and three, and it's now one and three. What number am I thinking of? Negative 42. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you get the Futurama reference. No, nope, I was thinking of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's also good. All right, I'll take it. I will I will make the sacrifice and read. I will make the sacrifice and read Connell's amazing stories. Nah. <laughs> now they've heard my annoying verse first, first and now I, I humbly bequeath the reading to you. All right. <clears throat> Heart of the Void, an insurrection of the domain of darkness, the tale of Cylindris Voidwalker. Much like, much like their dark muse, an infinite void within the solitaire thirsts for unending violence. Only the salve of Kekarak's black humor allows these cursed beings to retain some semblance of their former sanity in the face of their Slaneshi hunger. Solendris Voidwalker preaches upon a spiked gargoyle. The demonic visage decorating its, his bone-white mask weeps slowly, sweeps shadowy ichor as he scrutinizes the scene below the dark camoran streets are fl- are floodlit by stuttering neon arc lights strobing in time with the screams from the nearby night palace shrieks from the dark rhythm comp- complementing the thundering beat of their tremend- of their tremendous hammers catchy Solendus muses to himself all is all is as one might expect in this nigh pleasure in this nigh and pleasure district operated by the Virgra, the Vorgani, an exclusive and selective cabal of the highborn Jukari. These beautiful ones are best known for their eccentric taste and body modification, which makes extensive use of grafted tyranid biomorphs. Their perverse fashion sense makes Solendris's own motley purple and white checkered garb seem pedestrian the oppressive psychic shadow of the red of the blood red moon above him amplifies cylindrus's disquiet the moon lithidia lithidia that sounds about right lithidia so i'm going almost with. alive yeah lithidia I'll, I'll stick with that lithidia seems almost alive with infinite hungry malevolence a clicking and chittering intelligence that dwarfs any worse psychic brushes against it and threatens to consume all rational thought. It has taken him several minutes to suppress the gales of hideous, delirious laughter after first arriving in the subdimension. Cylindrus had, con- had consciously dampened the empathic portion of his honed dr- Eldari mind, flooding it on, folding it in on itself repeatedly until naught but an empty void remained simply to preserve himself against the moon's hungry psychic tendrils. Drawing on the dark gifts of his horrific muse and the arcane technologies gifted to him by his merciful patron, Solendris makes impossible, impossible silent leaps from spire to spire, wreath to darkness. Even in the absence of an audience, Solendris cannot help but flourish with each landing, with each landing as he shadows the Camorans below him. Their leader... A barefoot, unnaturally tall, ball-headed female of indeterminate age is dressed in an obscenely, in obscene, wow, <clears throat> obstin, what's that word? Ostentatious. 
ostentatious. Ostentatious, but lightly armored bodysuit. It is designed in the fashion of the Vorgani to draw the eye towards her four splendid, muscular, segmented upper limbs, each blistering with combat augmentations. A barbed tail flickers back and forth beneath her flowing silken skirt. The the jostling crowds of slaves and low-born cutthroats part like a sea. Well out of the well out of the blade's reach, before her paranoid honor guard of incubi, fully armored and adorned with their traditional war helms, contrary to the traditions of the of most shrines, these incubi have each had a third arm expertly grafted below their left shoulder, which they wield an additional demi glaive, a wicked gift from their Vogani patrons. The dracons, unnaturally coordinated sub. Subordinates sweep clear the streets ahead of her with un- <clears throat> wow, inevitable efficiency, allowing her mistress to stride imperviously and uninterrupted towards the flesh-crafted chitinous towers of Avaris, Avaris Shadow Talon, humunculus lord of this realm. Solendris continues to shadow them far above them, from far above, whilst the weary incubi folks on the crowd but he is uneasy and restless. All is not as it seems. The slaves and vagabonds below are too deferent. It goes beyond the servile groveling one would expect. In their eyes, there is almost a reverence. Solendrous, curious, unfurls a tentative psychic probe and deftly, delicately tastes the margin of the most unassuming of the slaves' auras. They respond as if a bomb has gone off. Immediately, Every being in the street below, regardless of species, snaps their gaze to upwards as one, fixating on Solendris's precise location. Shrouded in his hood and wrapped in darkness, Solendris is already moving, leaping and tumbling through the air, his dark silhouette de- dis- disintegrating into dozens of barely discernible shadow puppets. Weapons fire, clattering off the spires, ricocheting shattered venomous slivers pass within inches of the solitaire. Running footsteps and guttural cries echo in every direction. To find the fundamental physics of gravity, Solendris runs along a wall and leaps impossibly far at a leather-winged scourge drawn by the drawn by the commotion. His outline takes on a demonic proportions and explodes into a into a kaleidoscopic blizzard as he hur- as he hurdles like a missile straight at the modified Eldari. With a flicker, he outstretched hand becomes a mutant talon and plunged into his victim's chest, emerging near instantaneously, grasping its still beating heart. He jumps in the next member of its flock. He quarries pl- his quarry plumbles gracelessly, their inhuman faces frozen in rictuses of terror as demonic cylindrous leapfrogs from one scourge to the next. He kills them effort- efficiently, yet magnificently. Flawlessly recreating the fall of the Eldari gods to the dread Slanesh as he st- as he steadily gains height and distance from the from the bedlam below. Rapidly he approaches the flesh shaper's chitinous tower. The blood he has spilt and has not yet splattered on the streets below as he as the he impacts the side of the tower and races across the segmented girth, searching for a point of ingress. Despite his lightning fast relocation and near invisibility, his mysterious enemy continues an improbable, perfect pursuit. There is a vast flapping of leather wings and a shriek of anti-gravity engines seemingly echo from every direction, all making a beeline towards his present location. 
Solyndris grabs a bony spur and uses a sudden rotation to fling himself at an access sphincter with wait sphinx. That's what that's what it is. Yeah, with adequate force and rapture, and rupture it with and enter the tower. Immediately, he is dashing along along the upward spiraling. Wow, I can't fucking read tonight. <laughs> we did just complete a uh, Grimoire episode, so you're given a pass. Yeah, my eyes are like fucking blurring right now. Okay, a tur. <laughs> wow, again, can you can you tell me what that word is? Holy fuck! Holy crap! I. I lost my place. <laughs> arterial. Thank you. Arterial corridors of the homunculus tower. I swear to God, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not bad at reading. I'm just dyslexic right now. <laughs> there are words here that I don't usually see. Okay. It's not my fault. This is Eldari words. <laughs> and I like the Eldari, so I should know them. The corridor is lined by our- <laughs> the corridor is lined by organic vats every few meters, each containing a, ne- a, ne- a nascent Borgani warbound. Up close, the mutations are striking. Solendrus perceives segmented brow ridges on hairless heads, razor teeth, chinless plating, and rending claws. More obviously twisted than their cousins in the streets below, the truth of their nature is abundantly clear. Immediately, his suspicions is confirmed by the appearance of a distinctive, silent forearm silhouette racing along the corridor behind him, flickering past the hundreds of vats in an unholy storm of fractal light and shadow. Salandris gives up all pretense at subtlety and lets loose great hoods and howls of crackling, inhuman laughter. He manages to outpace the beast by drawing on the dark reserves of power from an empty void where his soul should rest. But Solyndris cannot resist teasing them, allowing them to close the distance before trembling, before trim, tumbling his nose and spiraling clear at the last moment. Their talons falling short by the by the feline, by the feline's whiskers. The corridor itself comes alive, constricting as he passes, and clawed monstrosities spring from the shadows in his wake. Time seems to dilate as the dark gifts propel him, propel him along one step up propel him along, always one step ahead of the adversary. He continues to gain height, spiraling upwards towards the homunculus spire top layer. He can feel it now, no longer in hiding. The pressure of untold billions of chittering minds pressing pressing down upon him. Only the absence of a soul keeps him from instantly losing his mind to the hypnotic t- tumult. It is no surprise that his fellow troop members did not return. It seemed implausible, but, his brood, but this brood mind has grown beyond all possibility of containment. Only in Kamra, where his dark kin senses are so subtle, could this blasphemy have propagated undetected for so long. Solyndrus pump, pun, well, punctures the membranous portal to, into the final chamber and erupts into a darkly lit throne room atop the inverted spire in a fractal explosion of light and shadow. The chamber is an architectural masterpiece. Fleshy membranes, bony spurs, and chitinous plates seamlessly melt together in the form of a great cathedral, like space dimly illuminated in a deep crimson by the light of the moon. Lithidia flitted through several feet of prismatic organic crystal. At the epicenter of the grand room where there is a pit of fluorescent dis- Distinctive, well, digestive slime into which slaves are being prodded by lithe-bodied, by lithe-bodied, heavily armed, heavily modified racks 
their mutant vestiges hidden behind ancient canine battle masks. Hovering above the reeked acid pit is a heavily is a heavily modified biomechanical pain engine floats in midair. An enormous gene stealer with a bulbous cranium hangs crucified in its grasp. Great surges of torturous energies cause it to convulse in sync with the screams of the dissolving victims below. Cylindros cannot tell if this masochistic kin led by a sin- sinuous forearmed homunculus are tormenting or worshipped or worshipping the beast. It is impossible to say whether the Eldari or the Tyranid is in command. And seeing the odds stacked against them, Cylindros knows he will never have an opportunity to discover the truth. Cackling madly, he dies beneath a sudden barrage of toxic splinter fire and, sc- and streams of liquefying corrosives and head springs across the floor towards the nearest crystalline window. His silhouette distorts, taking on monstrous proportions as the pain engine targets him. Its searing heat lance misses him by centimeters, setting the, f- setting the fabric of his pristine coat ablaze and melting sheer through the crystal behind him. Like a burning meteor, Cylindrus tucks and rolls through the still molten hole chased by the enemy fire. Giggling on fire and free-falling from the spire top, Cylindrus is pursued into the endless night by the thrashing of great leathery wings and the screams of anti-gravity engines. He plucks a syringe like dart from his from his differing left forearm. He cannot die here. The laughing god must know of his discovery. Oh god, it's so fucking cool. All these fucking models are amazing. Yep, it makes a lot more sense now. Ooh, these are so fucking cool. <clears throat> Give me one mm-hmm. second, I'll take a sip of my coffee. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry for misreading, guys. For anyone wondering, this is like 2 o'clock, and I'm on my second cup of coffee. So, yeah, 2 o'clock your time. It's 3 o'clock my time. Yeah, but you're not drinking coffee. <laughs> Nope. I am high on life and energy right now. <laughs> All right. Last last walk of uh let's do this. Home he stretch. is lost. Home stretch. He is lost and confused. Fuzzy consciousness without boundary. Suddenly, terror. The void he embodied made substance. Horrifying. Hungry darkness without end. The darkness has teeth. The teeth have eyes. The eyes pierce him into his very core. Impaled by the shriek-like nest of their spearing of their searing stares, agony is his universe. All is black. A vista opens before him. It is impossible to make sense of. The forces at play are too vast and incomprehensible for his limited awareness. The void exudes some small element of itself and welcomes the vicarious avatar of mirth into its into its lair. The two survey one another across the formless, roiling maelstrom, and they begin. Space tears between them, and a great battlefield can be observed. Perspective ever shifting and following one player in the great drama below, and then the next. Each great power's mortal servant clash across the tundra as the laughing being of light and the hungry void toss great handfuls of metaphysical dice come, comprised of fractal light and shadow. And as each die lands, the mortal below shift and squirm, and they die by the whims of their great overlords. All seems lost as the Laughing God's children are cut down by a, by a scything volley of fire shot from an ambush. But as the slaves of his thirsting nemesis move in for the kill, they get greedy, taking their time to feed their hungry master. And with a titter, of, with a titter that gratefully builds into an unholy, echoing cackle, the being, 
that Cylindrus now recognizes as Lord Kegarak himself, rolls a pair of sixes. Channeling his power through his avatar in a field below, there is a massive surge of psionic power, and the Dark One's commanders are utterly purged from existence. She who thirsts, rages, and flings an unimagined, unimagined battlefield across the plain. Great warp storms tear at unwitting players, and the shadowy monster sheathing and raging, and tears at the unreality around him. The prisoner feels his bonds loosen. The imaginary barbs holding him in place dissolve. And the laughing one whispers in his ear, a littering, charming sound that's a littering, charming sound with the cadence of barely suppressed giggles. I suggest we make the most of this opportunity. And with what and with that, they are off. The solitaire, tethered by his beneficial master, lightless, lightless, fills his soul. And as the dark void that had claimed him for so long is finally purged, he knows his penance is ended. For context, this is a depiction of the afterlife for a solitaire where Kegarak canonically plays Sinesh in a game of chance for their soul. The battle depicted is from another story that I might have sent you, the swan song of Morax Crone's heart. Awesome. I agree. I kind of. I. I don't. I don't want to say I kind of like this. I really like this. Like I said, everything that everything that our boy here writes, everything that Connell writes, is really awesome. Again, I love that he does this with such a small like range that is the uh, Harlequins. Mm -hmm. I think he really does them so much justice. I especially really enjoy the respect that they are given because, mm -hmm. like a lot of people, don't respect the Eldar in general. And they further disrespect the, or they don't want to say disrespect. They undervalue the effectiveness of the Harlequins, because I genuinely think that the Harlequins are on par with the Custodies. Anyone who disagrees with me, you can disagree with me. But given oh, the like fact a that they, like, well, like a solitaire is basically the Harlequins' answer to a freaking Primarch, like as far as abilities is concerned. So, yes, I at agree. least that was that was my understanding of uh, of that little bit of lore that I know of. Yeah, for me, I don't think they're on Primark level. I don't personally think so. But I definitely think that they're very close to, like... They're definitely, like, above Custodes level, for sure. Like, for me... Oh, yeah. yeah, like, I like I view the Solitaire. Cause Solitaires are, like, even above the regular Harlequins. But I think Harlequins are, like, oh. on par with Custodes. And then the yeah. Solitaires are even above that. So, like... Yeah. Because everyone likes well, to mean, point it... the war. Oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, if you think like the Harlequins are to the Eldar, like the Custodes are to like Space Marines, then the Solitaires who are so far above regular Harlequins, that's like they're, even though they themselves cannot compete with a Primarch, they are like Primarch level as far as Eldar are concerned. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment, and I agree with that. So. But as far so, as the Eldar being undervalued, I think I saw a statistic, and I sent this to you the other night. It was like uh, Eldar composed of what, like ten percent of the armies used in tournaments, but they win like sixty percent of the battles. So make of those yeah, numbers what you will. Yeah, but those are rules, and that's because GW doesn't know how to write the rules properly, because all those wins are because of a typo, or not so much a typo, but a rules clarification. Uh yeah. Because one of their, this is going to rules stuff, and obviously, like this is more for lore. But for a quick example, one of the one of their abilities is like they can basically infinitely use it. Hmm, that seems a little like, busted. Yeah, 
Yeah, they can instantly use it and they don't pay the price. They pay the price once and then they can instantly use it over and over again. Yeah, that does seem a little busted. Yeah, so that's more just the rules fix. So like so GW that, like you is not good with numbers. Exactly. <laughs> and apparently I'm not good at reading right now, but that's again. Again, in your defense, we just finished recording a Grimoire episode. Hashtag check out Grimoire if you like Warhammer Fantasy. <clears throat> And it's fucking late, but again, yeah. this is this is amazing. I love everything Connell does, and I'm hoping we get to see more soon. Especially like this is obviously a continuation of what do you say was the the Swan Song the of the Crone's Heart, Morax Song of Morax Heart. I feel like we've seen that one. I could be I... easily wrong, but yes, um, yeah. I feel like I've heard it before, but regardless, if he has a continuation of this, I'd also love to see it. Although, given the fact that it ends with um, Solyndra's dying, I feel yeah. like there's much more to go with. But I kind of like the twist that it was the Gene Steeler cult infecting the the Dark Eldar because at first I was, when it was describing the when he was describing how he was killing them, I was like, "Wait a minute! I thought Eldar don't typically kill their own unless it's Drukari just taking some slaves." But Mm-hmm. But then it all that made sense. It. Yeah, well, it definitely made sense with the idea that because Kamra has such a dampened psychic field or like psychic awareness that like they wouldn't detect gene sealers. Although there's a question though: is it a gene sealer cult, or is it, um, or is it just the Jukari being the Jukari being evil motherfuckers? The world may never know. Well, I mean, I'm assuming Connell knows. <laughs> Connell may know. <laughs> but this episode was good. I enjoyed the story. Absolutely. Any parting words? Um, keep writing, folks. If you have anything that you want to submit, please be sure to send it to lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And we can't wait to read it. Indeed, we'll just going as long as we can while you know we make sure the uh, mechanicus keeps sabotaging Mark's laptop. <laughs> exactly. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode.